Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, No, no, I'm here. I'm still here. Am I still here? I don't know. First time you turn up to work in four weeks. <laughs> Welcome back. It's, it's very nice of you to invite me on your and Adam's podcast. Yeah, it was, it was, we had a little super season of Adam on the show, but uh, it's a bit like that those series of, of Archer when, when he was out to it and was, was dreaming stuff and they went off and had completely different plot lines completely self-contained in the series, and then they went back to exactly what they'd been doing previously. So, <laughs> Well, other than Denver actually winning a title and Wemby going to the Spurs and Dame not doing anything at all, <laughs> it's been a pretty quiet off-season, to be honest. I would argue that the, 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 the bit where Denver won the title is probably not the off-season. It's probably the on-season. No. I have to say... Denver was very happy that they'd won the title, which is I, I nice. Was a bit, you know, you would like to think so because because it's a it's a bit of a football town from you know from what I'd gathered. Yes, um, but it helps that the football team no, is horrible terrible. and has been horrible <laughs> for a long ass time. That one and, year when they got many- the corpse of fucking Peyton Manning to win them a Super Bowl or to to stand there while they won a Super Bowl around him. Yeah, and. Isn't there like quarterback terrible and going to be terrible for several more years? They've, they've, oh, they've um, got him on the books for a couple of years. Russell Wilson, it's Wilson the former, isn't it? yes, the former yeah. um, Seattle's uh, quarterback, who was more famous for being Captain Cringe on the fucking internet than anything else. But yeah, uh, yeah they are they're not in a happy place. But now you are in a happy place. You are back in the the loving bosom of um, Upper Bean Lee, and welcome back to the Bulls podcast. On behalf of me and all of our audience, singular, what did you discover on your journey that will enlighten our NBA learnings? Oh, but bugger all about the NBA, to be honest. Uh, 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 Denver is great if you like craft beer. <laughs> I discovered that. <laughs> that was probably a better discovery than anything I could have learned about the NBA. So you you, you um, learned that beer doesn't all have to taste like Forex. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I bought a very nice Denver Nuggets championship hat and then – in the panic of our flights being cancelled and rerouted to different parts of America, I left it on the back seat of the hire car. So that was a good that was a good play. There is at least one photo of it in existence, so that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. It means it definitely happened. Um, I did a I did a handstand in front of a large poster of Nikola Jokic at Ball Arena. That was. Do we need was, to point out that, that you was... actually have a Instagram account that is just you doing a handstand every day? Handstands. Well, if you look carefully, folks, you'll find that Doctor Yobo does not follow this account on on Instagram. <laughs> I, did, I have no need to see Bezos' ass upside down every day. Um, because he shows his ass on the internet every day on this podcast, so we don't we don't really need that in his life. I mean, I, I endorse everything he does, but I, not to the point of having to see it in my timeline. Uh, that is the exact reason why my handstands have a separate account. So, 
<laughs> people that don't want to see them don't have I'm to. Surprise! It's like Bezosass.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that one was already taken. Someone's already. You need, uh, you need your own OnlyFans. People can pay to see you doing handstands. I couldn't do a handstand uh, if somebody propelled me with a fucking trebuchet. Well, to be honest, neither could I when I started. So there you go. How big was the trebuchet? <laughs> Fairly large. I, I, there, there is a, a handstand video of a, a, a guy like, you, you know, someone scared to kick up against the wall and he like puts this big mattress there and like, you know, harder, harder, harder. And as soon as he goes hard and pulls the mattress out, the guy just slams into the wall. So that's not too dissimilar to how I started. Uh, I don't know. what. Do, do you feel like there's been any seismic changes to the NBA for Denver winning? It, it doesn't feel like the rest of the NBA is really going to react to this team winning. It doesn't feel like everyone's... Well, well, I think we saw a little bit of that in free agency where there was... They felt like there was a bit of a uh, Lionel Messi turning up at Publix, going through the supermarket aisles, grabbing everything he could find. Um, that's a reference <laughs> to a photo that turned up on the internet today of Lionel Messi literally yeah. doing what a dad shopping. would do, shopping at a fucking supermarket, and people decided to take photos of it. Um Big on cereals. <laughs> He's basically moved to Miami in order to, to get a better range of cereals than he had in Paris. Because, you know, if you've ever been to a Paris carry for, what you'll see is yeah. not a lot of cereals, some really good bread, and the best fucking supermarket chicken you'll ever get in your life. Uh, that's not relevant to this conversation. What were we talking about? <laughs> I just, I, like, the, the one thing I, I do sake, feel like is. One episode back and I've lost the plot. <laughs> it is Bruce Brown. And the way that he played in the finals yes. seems to have supercharged that type of role player, including him. Like, that dude got paid. But so did a lot of other players. I think there's also a CBA element to it as well. Oh, yeah. The the uh, the, the Ishbia apron, as um, <laughs> Zach Lowe likes to call it, yes. which I think is an excellent name for it. The Ishbia apron that uh, he wants the, the Suns PR department to print, which they never will because they... <laughs> would not have that same sense of humour, but... The bomber apron. It does seem to be um, scaring some teams that aren't Phoenix, but... Yeah, or are they using it as an excuse, like the front office is using an excuse to soften off and just give up and say, oh, well, we need to get away from that second apron. It's almost giving teams who don't really want to compete an excuse to just... It gives them an out with their fan bases, which they didn't previously have. Yeah, but, like, you see weird shit like Jalen... Brown doesn't have his Supermax yet. Like, everyone else has their Max from that sort of... Generation? I, I don't know. And, 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 and oh, well, it's like, oh, they're haggling about, you know, bonuses and substructures and this and that. And it's like, okay. As, like, the, Lillard super, as, well, as the Lillard situation scared teams off. This sucks from the perspective of, you know, from a, a player empowerment point of view, you want to see everybody get as much get paid as much as they can. But from a team yeah. building point of view, that's not sustainable. Remember when Sacramento traded Boogie Cousins because they're like, we do not want to pay you the Supermax. We do not think that's a good investment. And like, that's Also, you keep literally killing the- and eating our coaches. <laughs> that's almost where Sacramento's, you know, stopped being the Kangs and started being the Kings is because that's actually a really good decision if, you don't think your number one guy, you know, don't do not do what the Wizards did with Bradley Beal and pl- pay a number three guy number one money. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it, it, 
it seems to have had a much more chilling effect than I thought it would. I thought, yeah, it's been fairly um, dramatic. Other than the Suns, who were just like, yeah, no, we'll just we'll just throw another, we'll throw a third max player into the mix. Well, that's the thing. The teams that um, are willing to spend, I think, are going to have, if they spend well, are going to have a disproportionate advantage. It's going to be a little bit like being a, a taxpaying team in the MLB, where a lot of teams are just there to just exist. And the teams that are willing to overspend because mm. they they don't have a salary cap, but they do have a luxury tax. And those teams are just willing to just overspend like the Dodgers. And then they can just go out and puree people because they've got ridiculous amounts of talent. And who knew that that team was going to be the Houston Rockets? Yeah. I've heard, I've was- heard some very different takes on the Houston Rockets uh. in terms of how they've how they've assembled their team because they've signed a lot of really useful players. They already had a, a base of really good young players, and I've heard the take that players. they're really going to make a jump and they're going to be really good. And the other take that they have sacrificed their rebuild. This is a catastrophe. They are going to flame out. This is all because um, shut up in business. The the owner has shat the bed and demanded results. And if they don't get make the playoffs this year, everyone gets fired. I don't know where the truth lies between those two. Yeah, well, the thing is though that they haven't traded away any of those the young talent. Yeah, the young talent's still there. The young talent's still going to start, right? So it's not like that's why I don't but- understand the negativity about what, what, that I heard well, on one of the athletics pods this afternoon, where everyone was sort of like, "Yeah, man, they're, they're nuts and they're they're going to they're absolutely flame out, and then everyone's going to get fired." It's like I don't really feel. And, and this even, was the fucking the Rockets the co- beat writer was on this conversation. Even the like. The Dylan Bro- let's put the Dylan Brooks contract aside. Like Landau, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe how much that- it's one year guaranteed. It's not that much. It- it's a flyer. If he- it's as much guaranteed as Dante Exum has got to be in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, that that's sort of sad because kid's not gonna play him. Oh, well, <laughs> like uh, I wanted it- I, I, look, let's go back to let, let- <laughs> he might he might not have a choice. <laughs> look, I think I think that Euroleague uh, two step is actually going to work out quite well for him. I think if he's got an opportunity, he'll find a space. Well, and the other thing is, he played a season in in Luca's old club, so I'm sure like Luca's not going to you know go who the fuck are you coming over from Europe? Like he's not going to have that typical American team attitude of a a good role player coming out of a, a strong European competition. I don't think Luca would have that um, anyway he- because it's it's Luca. I think the Americans might, but. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that I think that's fine. I think he's going to come out, and uh, I-, I think Dante will be better for the experience of playing. I mean, oh. once you've played in friggin' Belgrade, having diesel batteries thrown at you and flares yeah. ripped in the crowd, I reckon Dallas with Mark Cuban wearing a Schmedium t-shirt and poncing about is not is not going to be too much of a challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, Dallas didn't do do too bad. I thought Houston. Like, did we finish our the, Houston the yard, or because I, I, I derailed well, us? The, the- the the challenge for us in the in the wins pool is who's the worst team in the West this Portland. year? Like, assuming Dame gets traded, even so, because they're not playing him. If if they're going to John Wall him, if if he doesn't get traded, yeah, yeah, okay. They're not going to be a, another. The thing is, those teams are not going to be bad. They're not going to be horrific. No. Houston, I mean, Houston is still not going to win a shitload of games. Utah, friggin' the Spurs, the Spurs. The Portland, the teams that are like the bottom, the, the teams that were at the bottom of the West at the end of last year are probably going to be the same teams that will be at the bottom of the West this year, but they'll be better to watch and they'll be closer to being the teams that can, and there'll be points in, in this in the year when they make runs and they're in the top eight and you think, fuck, like Utah last year were 
yeah, well, like contended for yeah, le- a lot leading than they needed to be uh, t- t- top top three in the league at the first third of the league, uh, yeah. first third of the season or something. Like they, we they were sort of like, when, when's the penny going to drop? When are they going to trade all their guys and and suck? And they sort of didn't really they trade didn't all their to, guys because the young. I think there's like a. It's a bit like. Um, once there's film out about what you do, young players hit a secondary wall because people then figure out, oh, this is what he does, this is his move, this is this is the stuff he likes to do. So when you guard him, do X and Y and Z, yeah. and then they have to figure out what then they have to evolve their game to figure out what they can do to counter the counters. And some players never get past that. They make an initial Michael Carter Williams. They make an initial burst. They're really great, and then they can never counter the counters, and then they disappear from the league. And then on the flip side, which team are you super confident about in the East? Boston? No. Uh, okay. You sort of got more talent in, but the talent is less reliable. Well, you, you've uh, basically swapped Mark, Marcus Smart for Porzingis, and Porzingis is- Porzingis, yeah. Is, He's had, he had a good season last season, but true, that's his but- first healthy season in a long time. Yeah, you're not going to invest in his long-term durability. Marcus Smart, although clearly he wasn't capable of drawing that that room together because they couldn't be drawn together under any circumstances, they're not going to be any more solidified with him gone. No. So who who pulls that room together? And they've got rid of two really good defenders. Mm, Grant Um, Williams is gone too. Milwaukee ran it back, but all their guys are- With a new coach, though, that- that's Three a- years removed from the championship. Yeah, in every year that they didn't win the championship, they shut the bed in a way that would make was clown like. Mm. And, and even in the year they won it, they we they were trying to sack Bud midway through a series. How much of that do they think is coach, and how much of that is player fragility? Because they, they I mean, Chris Middleton has been invariably injured. Drew Holiday, you know, has tr- trouble staying on the court. And Giannis is always hurt, but he plays through it, so you don't really notice as much. Uh, no, I don't, I don't have a huge um, – I have more faith in Miami no matter what that team looks like, even though they've lost a lot of their big players. It's a bit like old-school Spurs. I kind of just trust the institution to figure out how to do it. And, and they sort of feel like them and Portland are haggling over the bits. Like one of the um, trades I thought was pretty smart was Hero to the Nets because, you know, he fits – he's young – he fits in with that rebuild a lot yeah. better. The only question is how much picks, the Nets want to, want to help Miami. I think that's the only problem with trading within the East for those bits that Miami and Portland need to make it more palatable for each other. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the 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 prize for the Nets there would be that they'd have to get off Simmons' contract just to make the money work. I think Ben Simmons – I've kind of wanted Ben Simmons to go to Portland for a while because I think that might be a good place for him. Out the fucking way. Yeah. He can just rehab. He can just figure it out. I, I would like a, I would like a different coach, and they'll probably get a, a new owner in and the next different ownership months. group. Well, they'll they'll probably get a new yeah. owner in the next twelve months. Hopefully, keep the team where it is, not ship it up to, to Seattle. Yeah, so, and, and Philly just Philly just seemed like a disaster waiting for happen, and Embiid, you know, demanding to be traded to the Knicks. <laughs> well, <laughs> like- it would be a funny uh, a funny outcome for Daryl Morey because he kind of. You know, as as the avatar for all all that is stupid about GMdom, it is it would be kind of funny to watch watch him fail. Hmm. Actually, I heard a really funny funny story about um, the Lakers today. In that one of the bus grandchildren or or cousins or whatever, you know, had been 
employed at the Lakers, you know, just generally employed, really loved basketball and was like, look, I don't just want to be, um, you know, a fail son who sucks sucks the teat and, and doesn't do anything. I actually want to – I want to be helpful. What can I do? And they're like, look – That's not American. And, and um, they're like, look, go and be the college guy. So he, like, literally just went and, and learned everything he could about college um, basketball. And he's the guy that sort of unearthed all these uh, late draft picks, you know, yeah. not, not the – not the high draft picks, but the the Austin Reeves yeah. and the and the and those sort of players. And it's like that's hilarious that it's a bus. It's a bus kid that's actually yeah. doing the, the hard Lakers drafts. have outworked <laughs> outthought people because they used to be the team that we just outspend, but, and now they are the small. They are yeah. literally now a small market team that has to outthink other teams. Team. And they have they have drafted really well, and they have like played the free agent game re- decently well. They, if it if it mm. wasn't the Lakers, you would think shit. This team is doing it the right way. They're playing the right way. They're doing all the things that you'd want. But it's the Lakers. Yeah. Lakers. It's it's almost. Can you hear my chain jangling? It's almost like they they push LeBron out and go. You play whatever front office you know games that you used to play with. Clean. You just do that all out in public, and we'll yeah. we'll just beaver away here in the background. You yeah. be the distraction. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you couldn't have really art. They didn't do anything really splashy. It was all all just like you said, like 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 what. Uh, but what, like but what do you need when you've got AD and LeBron? I mean, I mean, I'm really glad LeBron's coming yeah. back. I was really worried there for a while when when he he seemed to indicate he might be retiring, but I'm glad he cleared up yeah. that that. Oh, you know, I was right on edge wondering whether whether that would be resolved. Fuck me. <laughs> How can you grow? He is, he's friggin' 39 years old and he's still a fucking drama queen. How the fuck do you live to be that old and still want to be that desperate for attention? Jesus Christ. Anyway, he's going to play basketball again next year. Whoopee. Blow kazoo. Move on. <laughs> Someone asked Tracy McGrady who, who they thought the, uh, you know, the next basketball documentary would be, uh, should be about. And he's like, Man, Tim Duncan should be about Tim. I'm like, you are never getting Tim Duncan to talk on camera. That's ever. why it would be fantastic. <laughs> he could have been out like running freaking 007 style black ops in his spare time and no one would have known. Now, I reckon the Tim Duncan show is one of those like Discovery Turbo shows where they, they do up cars and you learn about them as, as they do up mm. the car. No, I actually like to see the fucking chop shop. You know, West Coast custom style show that that is based in in Tim Duncan's shed. That would be awesome. No, I, I want to see the the Mission Impossible style television series where Tim Duncan goes and you know plays a back to back in Miami and then breaks into the uh, into the snuffs Columbian a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> it is stop, stops an importation you of know? coke with a, with a fleet of fucking speedboats. Yeah, P- Paddy Paddy Mills is his, you know, goofy Australian sidekick. That's that's a great TV series. Like there's a there's a writer's strike at the moment. We well, yeah. we could probably yeah. pitch that. Does that the, make us scabs that to Netflix? Do we make that makes us oh, scabs? Well, I can't be doing well, that. I'm, I'm union well, strong. Does Paddy Smills? Does Paddy Smills even? Paddy Mills get frequent fly miles for all the fucking trades he's been involved in. He's turned up in Atlanta. Just as well, Atlanta's a Delta hub. Is he on Atlanta? I, could, yeah. I thought he'd. Wow. He's now. Okay. Well, he was the last time I heard. He might have moved again. Because he went Houston, 
OKC. Yep. And now he's finished up in Atlanta. Yep. Damn. Um. That that actually was something like I know it's only summer league and you never try and overreact to summer league, but Chet just swatting you know blocks off the backboard two handed you know pulling it like if you if you looked at that OKC side last year and you're like what are they really missing it's like this massive tall dude that can just you know be a bit of a deterrent at the rim that's pretty much what they need and that that um, red shirt year be- as they call it which is what they do in college when someone goes to college and then doesn't play in their first year that red shirt year that that Chet has got is really useful for those first year rookies. I mean, Ben Simmons had it, Joel Embiid had it. Um, yeah, I think Zion had it. It's really good just to be in the system and get used to the idea of going to games and you know when you wake up, when you when you go for your meals, when you work out, conditioning, putting on bulk where you need to put bulk on. That will make him a better player going into this year than he would have been at the start of last year, even if he hasn't, even if he didn't pick up a basketball at any stage. And we know he did. That's all going to do him good. Uh, there are a lot of other reactions to fucking summer league, though. I mean, it, if you ask people before the weekend, Victor, when Bernal was a bust and should go home, you asked him after the weekend, he was a freaking genius. Brandon Miller was a bust until game three, and now he's a genius. It's I think everyone just needs to chill. It takes a little bit of time to figure out how to play basketball in front of people for money. Yeah, like we said at the, at the top of the show, put these young players, especially these high draft pick or – talented role players in with actual NBA players that can run a set. Yeah. And they're going to look – you know, imagine Scoot with spacing, like not that he's going to get too many professional basketball players in Portland, but, you know. Hey, um, I want to be a massive supporter of them anymore, but, you know, I've still got some fucking dignity about them. The, 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 he's the uh, best player tomorrow. The, <laughs> yeah. that That's the thing, right? Like that that's – it's almost criminal not to train Dame and – rebuild around him and Shaden Sharp. So. That was my reaction, was that free Dame, hashtag free Dame already, because the baby Blazers are ready to go. They're ready to move on with their lives. They're ready for the next year of learning mm. and then maybe towards the end of next year after they've fired their coach, because the, the coach always gets fired in this process. Thank fuck, because Chauncey Billups needs to be fired. Uh, partly because he's a bad coach and partly for all the reasons we've outlined previously on this show. But the Blazers have already moved on. Dame just needs to be somewhere else. And he wants to be somewhere else. It's just a matter of figuring out you know, what the deal's going to be. Um, I have to say the the biggest surprise of the last couple of weeks was the five-year, $80 million contract that went to a 74-year-old man. I can't believe Greg Popovich has signed for five years. He's going to die in that job. He has, he's under contract with the Spurs longer than Victor Wembenyama is. How the fuck does that <laughs> work? He's the uh, Tom Cruise of of the basketball world. God, I hope not. He'll put his back out. I think we need to we need to pour a little out for every number one assistant who thought they were first in line to replace him. And this goes back fucking decades. This goes back to Bud. It goes back to Quinn Snyder, Becky, fucking Borrego, Adoka, Brett Brown, that old Italian dude. Chip Angolan, the fucking Coyote. There's been so many of them. I don't think Pop's replacement is in the league. And when I say that, I don't mean isn't coaching in the league. I don't think he's been drafted yet. The other interesting thing about the Spurs staff is that they've gone really Australian. They've got, like you know, Browns there. Uh, Matt Nielsen. I mean, from- he's not that. He's only He visited a lot. Yeah, no. They can't just well, claim him. I think, he's, I think he lived here for like 25 years. Is he more Australian than um, Kyrie Irving? 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. 100% more. He coached the Boomers, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's more Australian. Um, the, the, the Wildcats um, coach is, was the summer league coach and is on the end of the bench. And then they went and got uh, a lady from the, the Sydney Kings to come over and be the assistant coach for the summer league side. I was like, that's really interesting. Like, it's essentially like an internship, I guess, but yeah. they must have tagged her for a role down the track in the organisation. Otherwise, why do you fly her out for two weeks of summer league? But uh, It's a junket. Um, One thing I heard, and I wasn't uh, quite sure if this was right, Jason Tatum's dad is the coach of the Illawarra Hawks. Really? This is what I heard on a podcast, and I was I had to re- rewind it to hear it again. But apparently his, his dad is the coach of the Illawarra Hawks, which is interesting because the Hawks are a team that gets a lot of um, next stars and, yeah, and is- internationals coming to play for them. So- uh, if I'm wrong, I will uh, I will fact check this in the show notes. You never fact check this in the show notes, and um, and sort that out. That's that's fascinating. Well, he'll, he'll probably own the Illawarra Hawks by the end of the well. <laughs> end I thought of the they, they they'd had international gets- buy in, much like the um, much like the New Zealand team had. Because the New Zealand team's partly well, the owned bullet, by, the- by Sean Marion, your man, the Matrix. Uh, the Bullets have. A couple of ex NBA guys as majority yeah. owners well, now. Technically, too, I think. the technically the Kings do, but unfortunately, it's Bogut. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Technically, he's ex NBA, and technically the, the ki- he's the owner. Right down to the colours and everything, the the Kings are the Lakers of the fucking NBA. Which is ironic. Why don't they just call them the Sydney Lakers? Because the Sydney Harbourers. Yeah, I never quite got that. Um, yes, it's like let's curse ourselves with the. The name of one of the worst-run franchises in the NBA. It was an odd decision, but well, I guess they figured that that wasn't copyrighted, whereas Lakers presumably is. Yeah, and I guess purple and gold and kings do go get do go together. Yeah, but, but I mean, purple um, is generally the, the king, the royal color. Yeah, you can tell at summer league we're discussing <laughs> royal color schemes and and uh, and NBL names. Um, what else happens? Well, mid-season tournament. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you listened to the listen to the podcast with the NBA guy on on Zach Lowe today, but I thought well, it was he the same guy really who came well. up with the Elam ending for the All Star. Yeah, and also came up with the fucking playing tournament. He's the guy, literally the guy who LeBron said this guy should be fired, and then to, oh. a season later is like, thank fuck for this guy. So he has a track record of figuring shit out. The problem is, I I don't see the point or the market, but. The way it's described, if they are going to put all of the, you know, let's call them cup games. So the the idea is basically that certain game in the early part of the season, uh, before December, certain games are going to be earmarked as being cup games based on a, on a previous yeah. draw. Where every every, tu- every Tuesday and Saturday in November will be cup yeah. games. And the idea is that, that those nights, the games on those nights count as Games that basically knock out games for, you know, I think basically you're in a, a little mini league against five other teams yeah. that are not your conference. You know, they could be all over the joint. And then the group winners go and, and, and two others and, and go in and play. Actually, they don't go and play extra games because the games are essentially taken off the, the tally of games that would have happened anyway, uh, don't they? Only the final yeah. is an extra the game. Final, the one the extra final game is a standalone. So. You know, if it yeah. turns out to be Lakers versus Clippers who play each other three or four times a year, that doesn't take off the uh, 
yeah, it, 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 it is a standalone game. I don't think this is going to shift a lot of fucking needles. It might make that first pre-Christmas bit a little bit more interesting. It might be a, because that's I think that's the problem is they needed to find something to generate a little bit more buzz for that period before Christmas. Except for nerds, so other he, than he, for nerds like you and I who will watch anyway because you know we will watch. He he explained it really well. He's like it's they're regular season games, right? So you're not you're not fucking with the regular season. So. Yeah, this isn't like a European Cup competition because that was that was the description no. is what it was, it was like a European soccer midweek cup. But those are additional games where you would have a different squad and you might be playing your kids. It's not like that at all. The, the way him and Lowe talked about it is they expect that, like, you might cruise into the first game and go, eh, if we win, we win. If we lose, then, you know, doesn't really matter. But if you win two games, then you're sort of invested in it because of the money and you'll probably try and keep winning at that stage, so because it's not going to be a lot of money for the for the stars, no, but, but it's half a million bucks, which is the prize money. That's going to matter a lot to the end of the bench guys. And the nature of a basketball team or any team yeah. is that you want to win for the dudes at the end of the bench, particularly if you're on a good wicket yourself. That's right, and it's it's playing those games anyway. So just try a little bit harder. Yeah, and his his thing is, I don't expect this to be a massive thing in year one or even in year two. He said, but by he said once it's once all the fans have got a handle on it and everyone's just used to it being in the time of the season, he's like, all of a sudden it'll be five years and it'll have a bit of tradition behind it and it'll have a bit of meaning and it might take off. And that's – they're like, it's not costing us anything. Yeah, it's we're not, one extra We're not game. completely blown – And a, a bit of marketing, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing he pointed out. He's like, you have specific sponsors for these games and they're invested in – Pushing those games out yes. into the the non NBA nerd public, yes. so just the people surrounding a, a different competition will raise the profile of that competition in that time of year. So I, I sort of, like you said, I'm not I'm not going to get super excited about it, but I reckon it's got potential to become something, and it might become something that no one's anticipated. Um, it's, and all you need it, it is like in, a couple of. Yeah, it, it won't matter in April, May, June. But it doesn't have no. to matter in April, May, June. It just has to matter in December. It's just yeah. because really, I mean, we know more and more the regular season is just a journey we go through in order to find out what happens at the end. We still have to have milestones along the way to keep us interested. Otherwise, nobody – otherwise, it's like baseball and, and nobody watches until the playoffs. And you don't want that. Well, you, you think of those Christmas games and when you get a really good Christmas game, right? And it's yeah. like, oh, that was awesome. Yeah. And all, all you need is like one good final in the first three or four years that you're like, oh, that how good was that? Yeah. Well, they just um, need another spike because they, they front load quite a lot of the really good games um, in the first couple of weeks. And then there's always a lull because that's – football season is something to compete against as well. But um, yeah. it, And then college basketball starts up as well. But they do tend to front load for the first couple of weeks. There's a bit of a lull. They almost run dead against the college basketball playoffs and the and the the NFL playoffs in March, which is yeah. cowardice, really. I mean, I know they've got a lot of inventory to shift, but fucking have a bit of confidence about yourself. Not everybody is interested in this bullshit. Well, that was the other thing was he he, he sort of let slip that the number of games that they play is seen as a positive in the market with their sponsors and TV partners. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the reason mm -hmm. um, baseball RSN contracts, the regional sport network contracts were so high 
was because of the amount of inventory. If you have got a game on every day, then people have got something to watch every day. So you've got eyeballs every day. If you only have one yeah. game, you know, one game a week, like NFL, the peak sales price you get from the big networks is higher, but yeah. the regionals aren't going to give you shit. And in fact, the regionals don't have a role in that at all. They have to, they have to um, sell that nationally. Well, and the regional networks for the NBA in some instances is not necessarily- It's the NBA itself. Denver or- yeah. Well, it's going to become it's, the NBA it's China yeah. and Australia and Europe and all those places, right? Um, yeah, which is which is I, really I badly discussed by American sports media. They don't get that they yeah. make more money outside the country than they do inside the country, and they need to fucking chill about internal ratings. Yeah, well, that was the, that was the sort of thing because he said that so confidently. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting counter narrative. Well, they know to what the their numbers are. Ethan Sherwood Strausses of the world. Yeah, fucking Christ. You know who just focus on you know the ABC Friday night ratings as a as the um, bellwether of health of the NBA. And I don't- ever, ever since he turned up writing for that fucking uber right wing blog, I'm like, oh god, I, I knew about that guy, but I. It was almost a bit like when. Graham Linehan became a, a psychotic transphobe, the most divorced man on the internet. It was like, oh man, you've gone so far in the rabbit hole, you're not coming back, are you? you you've you've cornered yourself by by trying to be a contrarian so much that you're now arguing for total shit <laughs> and working with total psychopaths, and there's no way out for you. I can't help you now. It's just bloody horrific. Anyway, he was a good writer one day, but he isn't anymore. Sh- shall we uh, briefly try and? have a little therapy session about how I enjoyed a, a Marsh cricket outing for the Australian test team. I think if, if your test team was dependent on a Marsh of any description doing anything, then you are going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. And it was nice to see that, that England holding hands and shutting their eyes real tight and just believing in Basball hard enough that they won was, was nice. And we'll just come back next week and uh, we'll see how that turns out. I, I did like how they sent... Uh, Nisa away for a bit of, you know, a bit of a tune-up, and he's like, "Oh, do, do you guys need some more proof that I should be playing in this series? All right, I'll, I'll, I'll take a team from seven from ninety to four hundred all out." This <laughs> is like, okay, like I, I know it's county cricket, but that's that's a nice little uh, advertisement. It, I'd be just just be texting my score every drinks break to the to the select. It's a hashtag for a reason. Nisa must play. Maxwell, maybe a bit lesser. Uh, it's not like any of our bowlers can bat very much anymore. Like, Apart from yeah, uh, uh, the, the captain winning on, a test match occasion, on his own. Yeah. yeah, but he'd done nothing for the previous two years, but he literally went back to went back to his teenage years and won, won a test match on his own. Mm. I think they'll be fine. They'll probably win two or three one. Yep. The English, the English All weather right. is not going to hold out for another three tests. That's true. Should we wrap up and come back and talk some tunes? Let's put a fork in it. That was the Bulls podcast. I was Doc. He was Bezo. Back from Denver. The last dinosaur. He's my friend. And a whole lot more. Shouts to my fucking Gen X kids. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. See ya.
God save our gracious King. Long live our noble King. The only other thing I was going to mention was the. the I don't know if you saw the fucking. You know that that English actor who was in um, Homeland and Billions. I think it's Damien something or other. Yeah. Damien. Yeah. So he plus a random saxophonist did the the anthem at the British Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and it was the worst thing I've seen since. Remember that that Fergie doing the doing yeah, the anthem at the yeah, All Star game. Yeah. It was that level. Well. It was at that level of fucking. This is so bad. I'm compelled to watch. It was catastrophic. It was like Kim Cattrall in that famous fucking video of her scatting with her um, boyfriend. I don't mean birds marrying poo. I mean talking shit while, while he played an instrument. So I got to But I couldn't shoehorn the end of the episode, so I've just left it. I've left it for this bit at the end. I've got a quick, quick Formula One question to ask you. Are we back to Red Bull having? the best engineering team and that's why they're so dominant? I think they've always had the best engineering team. I think they've just hit this particular formula really effectively in the last two years. Okay. I think they, if you give them a new set of rules, they'll probably figure them out first. Yeah. The last time there was a new set of rules was like 20, there was a new set of rules in 2014 that, that Mercedes hit really well because that was engine dominated. They got the, That was the start of those hybrid engines and they nailed that. So, you know, the engine was more important than the car. And they already had it uh, built up advantage in 2017 when they had a new set of rules, a modification of the previous ones, so they were able to maintain their advantage. But um, over, over time, eventually, Red Bull caught up uh, because they they generally have smarter aerodynamicists. They have probably the cleverest single dude, like Adrian Newey, yep. the last That's of the great individual geniuses. Uh, and, and although these days cars are designed by 300 people, so... Well, How the, much an individual the, dude has involved, it's hard to say. The, the story I heard was that at Monaco, they have to crane the, the cars in, right? So you, you, get, a, yeah. you get a look at every, at the bottom end of everyone's car. Oh, no, slightly true. But no, it was more that one of the Red Bulls hit the wall and you have to crane the car off the ah, circuit. And everyone right. got lots of photos of the underbody of the Red Bull. And there was a lot of suggestions that copy that and you'll win. Mercedes have tr- reckoned they've they've simulated that, and they're like, no, that's not going to make our car quicker. But it's weird how how quick the McLaren is now. Oh, okay, because the, the-, the story I heard was the engineers took a whole heap of photos and then basically looked at it and went, okay, well we sort of understand eighty percent of it, but what the fuck? Are- <laughs> you, you, yes. you know, it wasn't just as simple as oh, now we, you know, light bulb going Do off in your things, head, and, yeah. yeah, and and all of a sudden, yeah. parody. Because um, it's yeah, it's it's fluid dynamics. It's how does how does how does the little flange right up the far end change the flow around the next bit and around the next bit? It's literally you know like water flowing through a flowing down down a, a, a set of rapids, but it's air moving through all these devices to create the outfalls. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing about Adrian Newey was he was always renowned as a dude who could kind of see aerodynamics. He could see airflow. He could visualise it really effectively. I mean, Adrian Newey wrote a fantastic book about his his career called How to Build a Racing Car. Not just been How to Build a Car. He comes out of it not the greatest dude, but I actually respect the fact that he wrote a book that, that kind of said, you know, I sacrificed my family life and I've had three marriages and all this sort of stuff because I was too focused on this sort of stuff. He's extremely honest about it, but it was actually a really good book and really clear and really, and really explains. But he has been 
He has been building great racing cars since the nineteen, the very early eighties, and uh, he's still doing it now. So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's the last of the great individual geniuses in what is now a very corporate system where you have hundreds of designers contributing. But clearly, somebody has to dictate the the overall direction. And then it sounds like they've also got a pretty good driver who's one tenth one tenth psychopath. Unfortunately, yeah, Max Verstappen's very good at driving, even though he's a fluke. You know. Well, nine tenth psychopath. Yeah. Um, but uh, the only the only thing that can undermine, weirdly enough, the only thing that can undermine Max Verstappen, a little bit like Robocop, is his own humanity. I think if you put one of his mates next, if, if Dan Ricciardo was next to him, Dan Ricciardo used to match Verstappen essentially tenth for tenth when they when they raced together. Like Ricciardo beat Verstappen two out of the three years they raced together. Uh, I think that's all because Verstappen does have a human quality to him. Like he was when um, Shane Van Gisbergen went over and did a guest race in NASCAR, and he and Verstappen know each other from online racing and through Red Bull and stuff. And Verstappen said, "Look, he was up all night, fucking screaming at the TV, watching v- Van Gisbergen win this fucking NASCAR race as a rookie on a street circuit where he'd never driven in the car, never raced on the tires, and never seen the circuit before, yeah. because Van Gis is basically the Verstappen of had supercars, just a ridiculous talent." Yeah, okay. So. Verstappen does have a human quality to him. He's just very good at hiding it. Um, yeah, there, yeah, there was a little video of him being like shitloads ahead and talking to the pit crew. And he must, if they go over the white lines, they get a penalty. Is that right? If they go, yeah, that was outside Austria the race, was really bad for that. Yeah, and they're like, dude, you're like shitloads ahead. Stop, stop going over the white lines. And then there's like, oh, such and such got the the lap record, and he's like, oh yeah, what what was that time? And yes, and what was my time? <laughs> okay, thank you. And then takes the lap record the next lap. It's like, yeah. w- why? Like, you're so far ahead, you know. Well, it's worth a point, but, yeah. you know, that's, that's, Senna was like that and, you know, the, the Schumacher was like that. The the really great ones um, are all like that, unfortunately. Basically, people who are really good at individual sports are generally cunts. Mm. Except for Valentino Rossi, it's, it's who sad. was- I- you know that that was what made Rossi brilliant. Was yeah. that well, yeah? And Curry, Curry's a bit. Yeah, but like that's that. not an individual sport. That, that's oh yeah, true, I, true. You think of yeah. very many individual sports. I mean, Michael Jordan, not an individual sport. But Tiger Woods, I mean, it is what it is. Jokovic, probably, yeah, probably Federer. Yeah, Federer. But I don't know what he's like. He's so aloof. But uh, yeah. Rossi was one of the few examples of a dude who was genuinely brilliant. I mean, he pissed people off, and he he wasn't good against the dudes he was competing against, but. He had such charisma that he was able to carry an entire sport for, you know, 20 years. Such the point where MotoGP has to figure out who they are and where they are, and they're still figuring that out. But, um, yeah, it's a bit tricky like that. All right, I'm going to go get something to drink, and I'll be back. This appears to be the second end of our podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) See ya. Gaddy has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know.